The following interview was recorded for CFRO The Pulse, Vancouver Co-op Radio's daily news show. The Pulse airs Monday to Friday at 7 a.m. on 100.5 FM and streaming live at coopradio.org. On today's show, we're going to be talking with the CEO of Aquitus Therapeutics at the University of British Columbia. Dr. Thomas Madden is a world-renowned expert in nanotechnology and his firm has now become a world celebrity as it has played a key role in the development of the most promising vaccine for COVID-19 yet developed. The vaccine was built with his firm Aquitus in partnership with BioNTech and the Imperial College of London and Pfizer drug company. And they found that it's 90% effective in the tests so far. We talked to Dr. Thomas Madden about why his product is being hailed by Prime Minister Justin Trudeau as a light at the end of the tunnel. We have secured access to a broad range of vaccine candidates. Indeed, uh, Canada is one of the countries around the world with the very best portfolio of potential vaccines because we know uh, that there is a certain amount of uncertainty as to which vaccines will land first, which vaccines will be most effective, which vaccines uh, will be best suited to different segments of the population. And that's why having a range of vaccines and having secured hundreds of millions of doses uh, in advance uh, is uh, what is uh, our responsibility to make sure that Canadians uh, are safe and are well served once vaccines start to arrive. Indeed, uh, the Pfizer-BioNTech uh, uh, vaccine candidate is, uh, has uh, published some very promising results and seems to be moving forward quickly. We've uh, secured already uh, millions of doses of that vaccine candidate. Uh, and uh, when it is safe to distribute, uh, we will uh, certainly be uh, beginning distribution in Canada to uh, high-priority groups. That is uh, most likely to happen in Q1 or in the first three months of 2021. But, of course, uh, there is a lot of uncertainty involved in these processes. Uh, in regards to this particular vaccine candidate, indeed, it needs to be stored at uh, about 75 uh, below zero Celsius, uh, in order to be uh, kept uh, stable. Uh, and therefore, the logistical distribution of this vaccine candidate will require uh, some very uh, careful cooperation with provinces and with uh, supply chains in order to be able to get it out to Canadians on a priority basis. Uh, we are already uh, working on uh, those uh, necessary logistical supports, uh, but obviously compared to potential later vaccines that will be much more stable at room temperatures, uh, the logistics on this first vaccine uh, are likely to be uh, more complex and slightly more limiting in terms of where we can get this candidate out to uh, than uh, some subsequent ones. But as you know, we're going to continue to work to be there for a broad range of, uh, uh, to, to, to help all Canadians with a broad range of candidates. And that was the Prime Minister on Monday. Now for our interview with Dr. Thomas Madden who helped discover this vaccine. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us here on The Pulse on CFRO. Uh, you're welcome. Glad to, be, uh, glad to be participating. You're a little bit in the global spotlight today uh, with some enthusiasm. Tell me a little bit about what this, uh, what's new about this vaccine that you've been working on. Um, well, uh, this is a, a vaccine that's using a new technology um, called uh, messenger RNA technology. So essentially, um, we're providing 
the message or instructions to ourselves to make one of the components in the COVID-19 um, virus uh, a, a protein on the outside of the virus. And when our cells make this protein, uh, our immune system then recognizes it as being foreign and uh, develops a, an immune response against it. Um, and the technology is very new. Um, what's critical, however, is the, the mRNA, the messenger RNA, needs uh, to be protected after it's administered. Uh, so it needs a delivery technology to protect it in the body and also to carry it into cells so that it can express the, the virus protein. And Acuitas Therapeutics um, provides that uh, delivery technology. It's, it's referred to as a lipid nanoparticle. Tell me a little bit about how effective this, uh, you know, the thing that th this new vaccine is. It looks like it's pretty promising. It does. Uh, we've we've got uh, interim results from the from the large phase three trial that's being conducted by Pfizer and BioNTech, um, and it's an event driven trial. So they've given uh, forty four thousand people either the vaccine or a placebo, and then they're waiting until there's a certain number of people within the population who test positive for COVID-19. And then at that point, an independent um, uh, data monitoring committee uh, unblinds the, the, the data for those uh, individuals who are positive to determine whether they have the, the vaccine or not. And uh, based on that initial analysis, they're saying that the vaccine is, is more than 90% protective uh, against infection. Um, the study is continuing until they have a a larger number of patients um, who, who uh, test positive so they can get a, a, a better um, estimate on the, on the protective efficiency. Hmm. You originally uh, studied and worked in England. You're in Vancouver now. How long have you been here? I've been in Vancouver a long time. I came to Vancouver to UBC to do a postdoc back in 1980. So how does this feel that's such an incredible connection to a global project and with such leading forces as Imperial College and in London and a bunch of these biggest names that people are really counting on and hoping for to help resolve, resolve this pandemic. Um, it, it, it's really exciting. Um, and everybody at Acuitas has been supporting the development of this vaccine since, since February of this year. They've been working extremely hard. And so everybody is just delighted to see the, the positive results and is, is um, looking forward to a time now when the vaccine can be available um, and we can start to um, protect people uh, from this virus. And, and the other, uh, I think, good news is the fact that we're seeing a good um, uh, uh, protection uh, in this particular trial with, with, uh, with this vaccine suggests that some of the other trials, the other trials that are ongoing, uh, may also be able to demonstrate a, a good protective effect. And so there may be uh, other vaccines as well as the, the one being developed by uh, BioNTech and Pfizer um, that uh, are successful. Now, this has been for so many regular people just a giant year of waiting, not only waiting for to see what happens with the pandemic, but waiting for the presidential election results, waiting even for our own election results here in BC. Um, but I understand this is actually pretty fast. This, this uh, first promising, very largely tested vaccine it, it's not, wouldn't normally come this quickly. 
Uh, it, it, this is it. The development um, has been uh, very rapid, and, and this new um, technology does lend itself to, to more rapid vaccine development than some of the older technologies. But nevertheless, you know, a key uh, requirement obviously is demonstrating the safety and the effectiveness in, in the clinical trials. And, and so you can't, um, you can't shortcut those. Those are a, a critical component um, that, that needs to be maintained. Why is this so important for the average member of the public? What, what does this mean, potentially, if it works and if it is rolled out widely and, and has the effectiveness that they're hoping for? Well, I think it's the, it's the light at the end of the tunnel, as uh, Prime Minister Trudeau said today. Um, the, you know, we've been hoping that a vaccine would be uh, effective in, in being able to control the pandemic. This data suggests that that hope is, uh, is well-founded. Um, we still recognize it's going to take time for additional clinical data to be collected, submitted to the regulatory agencies for their review um, uh, before it would be considered for approval. And it will also take uh, many months before sufficient doses can be manufactured such that we can, we can protect the full population. But nevertheless, uh, this is very good news. It is that, that life at the end of the tunnel, I think. Right. We're not at the end yet, but the light's there. That's, that's something. And you must feel pretty proud of this, that, that your team had a part in this. Absolutely. I mean, we're very proud uh, at Acuitas Therapeutics. We're also very proud that this is Canadian technology, which is playing a critical uh, role in the development of this vaccine. One of the things this has really shone a light on, I think, for many of us is just how the medical research, pharmaceutical research, uh, and public health fields um, some of these big tensions around public versus private benefit, who gets the vaccine, who invents the vaccine, and who do they share it with. There's such a fault line that's kind of opened up around who gets to keep this and maybe who gets to get this vaccine. Uh, well, obviously, I think everybody wants um, the vaccine to be available as widely as possible. And I think many of the uh, developed countries have already committed uh, to providing uh, vaccine um, to, to less developed countries, which I think is a, a fantastic initiative. I think uh, we have to be also realistic that uh, when vaccine supplies are first available, they're likely going to be provided to those uh, most, most at risk for, for, for contracting COVID-19. Um, and it's only, only as um, uh, further supplies become available uh, that, that everybody will be, will be able to be, to be protected. It's, it's a real frontier of, I guess, bioethics. And I know that uh, many of the biggest manufacturers uh, across, who are doing all the research, uh, hoping that one would win or a few would win the race, are, are, have a committed to also not rolling it out before they fully tested the safety. They're not going to let any government rush them, for instance. This is it. I mean, it, it was great to see that declaration by, you know, the leading vaccine developers of, developers of their commitment to, to safety and effectiveness and, and uh, assuring the public um, that you know, they, they wouldn't be, be swayed by political considerations. Uh, I think that's great. Um, I think it's also, I think we also don't want to consider this to be a race. We want as many of these vaccines to be successful as possible because that will simply um, speed up the time where we can um, uh, provide vaccine to, to everybody that, that requires it. Hmm. Now, there are people in our listenership, I'm sure, who already had some skepticism about the whole vaccination issue. Can you kind of break down on the most basic level why you, know, you believe that they're safe and why these things actually have been proven to help populations uh, withstand illness? 
Uh, I mean, it's, it's an excellent you know, question. I think it's important that, that we have this kind of discussion um, uh, because vaccines have been uh, um, uh, used very successfully for, um, for well over 100, 100 years. And I think most of us alive today are very fortunate that we haven't witnessed you know, the devastating effects that, that viruses such as polio um, uh, could, could have, um, smallpox and, and, and so on. Um, viruses that killed hundreds of millions of people prior to the availability of vaccines. And I think we can, we can perhaps lose sight of how dangerous some of these viral threats are. And, and COVID-19 is a little bit of a wake-up call for us. Um, at the same time, uh, vaccines have been shown to be uh, generally very, very safe. Um, and, and again, it's important that the clinical trials for the COVID-19 vaccines enroll a large number of patients so that we can really get a very good safety readout um, before they're made and generally available to the public. Hmm. I guess one of my last questions for you, Dr. Madden, is, is just, um, you know, you working with the RNA of this uh, virus and, and kind of looking at how these, these things interact is there anything that you've learned about the coronavirus that's particularly impressive or surprising to you over the course of researching it uh, on the structural think, level, perhaps? I, I think I've really been impressed at, at how, um, I mean, if, if we look back at, at how quickly the virus was isolated and then the, 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 the genome of the virus uh, was, was sequenced so that we could then identify what sort of proteins it it made and how we could potentially um, develop an immune re response against those pro those proteins. Um, I've really been impressed by the, the entire scientific community, which has really contributed to, to, to these efforts. Um, and I think it's also a bit of a blueprint for how we could be prepared to address future um, viral threats. We don't want to have to go through this again. Uh, and it's to the extent a new viral threat emerges, I think we want to further shorten the time it takes to have a protective vaccine available. Do you think that there's likely there might be another or a worse even pandemic that's uh, zoonotic that comes from animals at some point in the near future? I mean, history has suggested that, that there's, there's always that risk. Um, and I think we've been, we've been relatively lucky, but we, we've seen SARS, we've seen MERS, we've now seen COVID-19. And so I think we have, to, we have to acknowledge that this is a realistic threat uh, that we need to be prepared to, uh, to address. What's the, what's the weirdest thing that you've learned about this particular coronavirus? Like I, I saw a diagram of its genetic structure early on from the New York Times, where they actually show that it kind of created these um, cells that almost tricked the body into thinking that they were escaping when, in fact, they were kind of decoys. There seems to be a, quite a tricky thing. It, it does. And I think, you know, one of the most intriguing uh, aspects of, of COVID-19 has been um, the, 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 the individual's who have uh, long delayed recovery from it. And, and clearly we don't understand what's, what's happening there, um, that the long haul is as it were. And, and the, the impact of the virus can be seen in a number of different um, organs and tissues. And so uh, I, I think that's um, something that's, that's rather different for COVID-19 than we've seen for other viruses and certainly something that we, we don't yet fully understand. Not just a respiratory disease, as they say, but affects the lungs, the heart, the, even the brain. This is it. In different individuals, it seems to affect different organs, absolutely. Hmm. What gives you the greatest hope? Uh, 
Um, I, I think one of the things that's really encouraging is is the international cooperation that, that that's occurring to develop these uh, these vaccines. Uh, I mean, we're a Canadian company um, uh, working with a, a global pharmaceutical company, Pfizer, and a German company, BioNTech, and and involving scientists from all around the world in in trying to design and optimize um, the, the vaccine. And I think it's that international cooperation which I think is is really encouraging for me. Well, thank you so much for your research and your part in this really hopeful discovery. Uh, It's great to be here today talking with you and and celebrating the success. Thank you. I wish you the best with whatever's next. Thank you, Dr. Madden. Thank you. Bye-bye. And that was Dr. Thomas Madden, the president and CEO of Aquitas Therapeutics at the University of British Columbia. CFRO The Pulse is brought to you by the Local Journalism Initiative, a program funded by Heritage Canada and administered through the Community Radio Fund of Canada.